Okay, Tracy, today we're going to talk about four boundary markers in marriage. In other words, setting healthy boundaries in a marriage. So whether our listeners are brand new, maybe you're coming across this in premarital counseling, or maybe you're talking through this after 50 years of marriage, setting boundaries is really helpful in a marriage. And, and boundary markers, I don't know if our listeners know what those are. Those are those markers that show where one property ends and another one begins. And here's the paradox for marriage. It's that recognizing those boundary markers in marriage will actually make for a better union, not a more disjointed one. You might say, well, wait a second, aren't we one? Aren't we supposed to, there aren't, there there shouldn't be any boundaries in marriage. You know, what's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. Like we're just completely enmeshed. We're, what's the word? We're codependent. And what we've been saying, if you've been going through this boundary series is actually that's unhealthy. And maybe now it's time to talk specifically about this concept in marriage. Yeah, because the concept of the book boundaries is this idea that boundaries actually create more freedom. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. So even in your marriage, drawing boundaries and being clear about where you begin and somebody where you end and somebody else begins, when you feel like you both understand that, then you're operating in freedom and you can love each other freely and not feel like you're constantly bumping up against each other or upsetting one another or stepping on each other's toes. So that's why boundaries in marriage, you're still your own person with your own thoughts and feelings. And you need to be able to articulate those and know how to manage those just like your spouse needs to do the same. Yeah. And maybe before we even get started on these four different areas where healthy couples set up boundary markers, maybe it's a good question for couples to ask. If you listen to this with your couple or a mentoring couple, maybe hit pause and ask yourself, you know, which, which one of us, husband or wife, which one of us is better at setting boundaries, which one of us is worse at setting boundaries. And Tracy, for us, 25 years of marriage, we just celebrated uh, the other day. So happy anniversary, honey. <laughs> you too, dear. But but for us, for us, I would say it's not even a contest. You were really good at boundaries, and I was really terrible at boundaries. And I didn't even realize it. I was completely clueless about well, it. Well, that's, I think the key was right there. It's not that you didn't have feelings or thoughts. It's not that you didn't want to have boundaries. You just didn't have the self-awareness piece to know how to articulate what you needed. So you just kind of would roll with things. You'd kind of let me and the way I wanted to do things kind of dictate. And then over the years, you're kind of like, well, no, I don't know if I agree with that or that's how I'd want to do it. And we just had to, you just had to kind of, you were awakened to this reality that there was some internal angst for you in different times and ways that were an indicator of, I think I need some boundaries in these areas. So it was just kind of a self-awareness thing. I had more of it in the beginning than you did. Well, and I think you, I think your parents talked more about stuff like this. Uh, obviously, you have a master's in counseling psychology, so you talked about this professionally. But even before that, I think you came from a family where you talked about this a little bit more, these kinds of things. Your your parents had a relationship where your, where your mom could say no to your dad, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, and your dad would listen to your mom. Would The, the relationship between your, your mom and dad was different. Now, my mom and dad are still married. I love them dearly. They're awesome people. But you know, maybe they didn't, my parents maybe didn't come from families that had boundaries in place or, or knew how to communicate even. And so they, you know, they certainly made an improvement on their parents' marriages. 
and we're trying to make an improvement on our parents' marriages. And I think it's just good for people at the beginning to say, look, don't. this isn't about judgment. This isn't about pointing fingers. If you're listening to this and you just all of a sudden feel insecure because you, you realize you don't know some of this language or maybe you haven't done very well at setting boundaries in your life or in your marriage, just look, no judgment. Look, everyone can grow. Everyone can move forward. In fact, really the only requirement, even as we get into this, and Tracy, maybe you can speak to this, the only requirement for husband and wife is that you have a tender, responsive heart, mm -hmm. that that you're willing to listen to this, that you're not going to be pointing fingers at each other. Nobody needs to get um, personally hurt by this, but it's it, it's going to take some vulnerability to even continue to listen to this podcast because it's going to probably point out some flaws. Yeah. Hopefully your mindset in your marriage is you want to bring out the best in your spouse and you want your relationship to be as healthy and as strong as it can be. And so along the way, you're going to have to acknowledge some areas where you need to grow. You're going to have to grow in the ability to maybe articulate ways that you feel like your spouse needs to grow. And if you're both teachable and humble, recognizing the same end goal, then any of these conversations you can actually welcome and say, you know what, this is a good framework that might indicate for us, we didn't have the language to explain what we were experiencing or the conflicts that we're having in our marriage. And talking about boundaries has really been like insightful and it's giving us tools and it's giving us a framework to be able to talk about some of these issues we keep fighting over, but are never getting resolution. Yeah, you know, I think about in our in our before we were even married, Tracy, or maybe we had just gotten married. I know it was a, mm -hmm. it was either year zero or year one that I went and and had breakfast with a mutual <laughs> friend of ours. It was actually your boss, and I was gone for four hours. Now this was before the age of cell phones, so you'd <laughs> yeah. you'd know, and you couldn't track me, and you couldn't you couldn't call me. And so when I got home from that, literally, I remember we were there from breakfast time, I think we probably met at nine o'clock and I left at one o'clock. So we stayed through breakfast and lunch. And honestly, the reason is because this guy's a long talker <laughs> and I couldn't shut down the conversation. And that maybe this is a funny example, but it's a perfect example that you, maybe you should have known by then that I was not very good with boundaries because yeah. I got, I got home and you're like, what the heck? Where were you for four? You were actually mad. Well, Where were you for four hours? Yes. And remember, we had a wedding to get to. I was a I was standing up in a friend's wedding and the wedding was like over an hour away and I had to be there at a certain time. And I just could not believe like how in the world could the breakfast crowd not have come and gone <laughs> and the lunch crowd basically come and gone and you don't realize how long you'd been there. Yeah, that was a that, that was definitely uh, one of our first examples of we, we need to have some conversations. You need some help with boundaries on time. Or like you said, know how to you know, shut down a conversation. Well, that, that's part of the problem, right? Is I, I was, I'm the guy that we were the last ones to leave church. We're the last ones to leave a party because we just don't even, <laughs> even probably clueless enough to not even realize that the host of the party yeah. might want us to leave. Yeah. So just perfect examples of, I grew up pretty clueless in this area, like not recognizing or respecting boundaries of, of other people. And I always thought it was so weird that you, that you were, whenever we would have people over for dinner, let's say, that you would be like looking at your watch saying, okay, you know, there's an expectation in your mind that this is going to be about mm -hmm. two hours. Mm -hmm. 
And if they stayed longer that, you know, we, we did work with college students for many years and college students don't know boundaries either. <laughs> and I was great with having them hang out all night. And you were like, I got to go to bed at some point here. And so those are some fun examples of boundaries. I mean, I guess we could call them fun now. Uh, but there are going to be some more intense examples as well. Right. And we did, and it did create some conflict. And so we've had to learn, you know, over our 25 years to, to understand like what, where are our boundaries different? Where do we need more? Where do we need less? Where are we just going to have to compromise? Cause we're just totally different. I mean, I, I think it's hysterical that you and I came from totally different perspectives on this and yet we've, we've made it work. I do have to say, I think our kids though are more like me <laughs> than they are your family, right? Like we took on more of my family's way of doing boundaries. Well, and for sure, I'm more like you. And I mean, there are yeah, some er- there are some areas of life where you have come my way, but I've had to recognize, uh, you know, to be healthy, I needed to come your way in this. Yeah. And so, you know, for couples listening, they might need to hear that. That that's why I wanted you to ask the question, couples, which one of you maybe is a little bit better with boundaries? Now, I think you can overdo it as well, but I, I would say, Tracy, you you were healthier with boundaries than I was. And I had to humbly admit that at some point I had to recognize, yeah, this is probably the better way to look at this. And then I've come your way on in this particular area. And so for our couples who are listening to this, maybe one of you is going to be a little bit naturally better at this. And so for the other one, I would just encourage you to humble yourself, be tender and responsive and say, okay, I want to learn from you in this area because you'll have plenty of things to teach your spouse in other areas. So for, for example, Tracy, you're much better at math because of my presence in your yes. life, but I'm much better at boundaries yes. because of yours. So with that in mind, let's talk about these four major areas where healthy couples set up boundary markers. And the first one, first one is in the area of emotions, how you feel. So couples, you need to hear this. Your spouse can't control how you feel. That's on you. So you're responsible for your emotions and you have to be brave enough to articulate them to your spouse. And Tracy, this is, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the 10 laws of boundaries when we talked about the law of responsibility. I know, and this can be really hard because I think we can very easily, especially in marriage, attribute our frustration, our sadness directly and only then that that's on our spouse. And I think what we have to be able to separate is certainly there are things that your spouse might do that have hurt you or have disappointed you. But your emotional response to that, to their actions, is your responsibility still. Your, your spouse can't take ownership of your feelings. You feel how you feel. And I just think, I mean, honestly, Brian, I think for all of us, we kind of need to stop and think about that. I think that's something that requires us to chew on that a little bit, because I think it's so easy in marriage to just blame our spouse for anything that happens that makes us mad or frustrated. And again, I think part of that law of responsibility and play is to say, you know what, boundaries are about me knowing who I am, how I feel, what I need, and then how that relates to other people in my life. So even in my marriage, you might do things like your time management, super frustrating to me. So that's on me. I'm feeling frustrated. I have to own the responsibility that I'm frustrated. So what am I going to do with that emotion? Am I going to store it in my heart and be resentful towards you and punish you by giving you the silent treatment or yell at you? Or am I going to articulate the way I'm feeling 
and how you have been a part of that frustration and what are we going to do moving forward? Yeah, because imagine, Tracy, if you would have all the way back in that example, if you if I would have come come back four hours later and you're looking at your watch saying we've got a wedding to be at and you would have if for some reason our relationship was such that you didn't feel the freedom to articulate your frustration or let's say that you would have articulated your frustration and I would have gotten defensive and said, how dare you tell me I can't mm-hmm. meet for four hours with somebody it early in the early in our marriage, it would have shut down that kind of communication. Now, you're a healthy enough person that I think you would have said no to this relationship moving forward. But there are probably a lot of listeners who are saying, "Oh my gosh, that's what happened." I'm a you know the uh, the person might say I'm a I'm a a compliant person. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in week one. I'm a compliant person. I'm a doormat, and my spouse is a controller. My spouse is a bulldozer. And so, you know, some people listening might be saying, wow, this, I don't even know if we can get past even this one, setting boundaries with emotions. We didn't do it 10, 20 years ago, and now we're, we're reaping the consequences of it. Yeah, you know, that's a good example, even thinking about that in terms of our relationship, because you, I'm very quick verbally. I can very quickly process what I'm thinking and feeling and can throw it into a conversation or to come at you. And you were more of a internalizer. You need to process it more. You're not as quick verbally. And so that was another thing that we had to learn in our marriage that you needed to be able to say, you know what, I need a little bit of space, like for this conversation, I need some time to think about what you're saying before I come back to this. Because what would happen then is I could easily bulldoze you and you would then just kind of shut down Um, because it was just overwhelming to you. So there's just, there's so many examples and so many layers to this idea of boundaries emotionally that it might be as simple as just saying, you know what, when we're in a more of a heated conversation, like we, you might need to say, I need the boundary of 30 minutes, (laughs) you know, like I need to go process before we come back to the conversation because otherwise I'm just going to close in on myself and we're not going to really get anywhere. Yeah, I remember, you know, when we first got married, I remember my dad saying, this will be the hard- hardest thing you've ever done in your life. I thought, well, gee, thanks, Dad. <laughs> that was encouraging. But he's, in a sense, he's right. But I think, here's what I think, especially for young couples listening, I guess for everybody listening, for young couples listening, though, if, if you don't work hard to create a shared language, shared mission, communicate, learn how to communicate in a healthy way. If you don't work hard to establish establish those patterns in your relationship, which again, like I started with Tracy, it takes a tender, responsive heart that you're, it's two people coming together saying, hey, let's really work hard at this. If you don't work hard to do that, then you're going to get cemented into your relationship some of these dynamics that can be toxic that where the or manipulative, where the, the controller controls and the compliant person just shuts up and never says anything. It's And it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. And like we said in previous episodes, Tracy, that doesn't just go away. The, the compliant person stores it up and at, at some point will explode. And that's really actually how, how I did emotions. That's how I handled emotions. I was more of a, I would say on the outside, more of a steady Eddie. You were more of a roller coaster. I was a little, you know, you were more... Uh, you're more um, articulate, 
vociferous. <laughs> you would put it out there. Like you said, you knew, you knew already how you felt and you didn't have a problem articulating it. I was still trying to even figure out how I felt. Right. I, so again, some of that was my lack of self-awareness. Again, this doesn't make people who are like me, it doesn't make us bad people. I want our listeners to hear that. We're not, it's just that maybe we're coming at it from a different skill set. You know, we have a different, different tools in the tool bag, or in, in our cases, not as many tools in the tool bag as you, Tracy. So I'm so grateful that you were patient with me and work, but you still stayed on it. You still worked hard to make sure we were communicating, but a lot of, a lot of couples aren't married to someone with a master's in counseling psychology. So maybe the wife is listening right now saying, oh my gosh, that's totally our situation, but I didn't know how to help my husband through it. Mm -hmm. And so now we have all these patterns in our relationship where I, I, I didn't express how I felt and they're not expressing how they felt. And now there's just all this misunderstanding built up between us and, and it's really become a problem. Yeah. And so again, that's where like what you're saying, then you got to leave room to say, you know, I don't want to bulldoze you. I don't want to be the controller who's just, because again, in our relationship, it was very easy because I was more verbal that I could just kind of dominate the conversation. And then your non-response or you being quiet then could communicate all sorts of things to me. And one of those things might be that you never felt like you could say, you know what, time out. I need to draw the boundary here and you need to respect the boundary. I, this is, I need some space to think about this before we keep talking about it. But I also want to make sure that we talk about the flip side of it too, Brian, that it's not just the law of responsibility about our own feelings, but it's also remembering that we cannot take responsibility for our spouse's feelings either and their bad behavior maybe or their silent treatment or their angry outbursts or their manipulative tactics like that's not on you to try to manage their emotions and make them happy right i mean it goes both ways like your spouse has to own that how they feel is how they feel and how you respond to how you feel is on you you can choose to be productive or you can choose to be toxic. And I think in a lot of marriages, you have one spouse who's trying to, in a codependent way, and especially when you have kids in the house where you might be running cover for them, you might be trying to hide what's really going on or their bad behavior. And that's just not healthy. Eventually, that's going to come to a place where you're, you're, that's going to grow old to you and it's going to cause more conflict. So part of this idea of managing emotions and where your responsibility is and where it isn't is also do not take on trying to control or make your spouse happy or make them more at peace. They need to own that part and figure out what boundaries do they need in place? What things do they need to explore about their own emotional development in order to be happier or at peace? So what would you say to the, to the spouse who is married to that person who's toxic, who's emo emotionally unstable? Let's just call it that, emotionally unstable. It's the person, it's the spouse who's afraid of walking, they feel like they're walking on eggshells all the time around their spouse. And, and I, I can hear them saying right now, they would say, what am I supposed to say to mm -hmm. this person? I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know what I would say that, w that this other person would receive because this other person might not have a tender, responsive heart. Like we've been talking about They're there. I don't know if they're capable of receiving constructive criticism. So Tracy, what does that spouse say then to that 
to that toxic spouse? Well, I think this is where, I mean, there's a couple things in play that it comes down to what is our, what's your goal for your marriage and your relationship? And is it loving to withhold speaking the truth to your spouse about some unhealthy tendencies in them and just kind of quietly, quietly enduring it or, and quietly resenting them and then allowing them to be toxic then with your kids or friends or in their work life or whatever. But I think the other place too, is that it's, it's really kind of the law of exposure where you have to speak up and say, Hey, this isn't okay for me when we have an argument and you punish me for three weeks and don't talk to me and you just refuse to talk to me. So putting that out there to say, that isn't how I see our marriage being healthy. I want to talk about it. So can we compromise on maybe you need a little bit of space like we talked about before? So what's a, what's a reasonable time out? Do we need to go to marriage counseling or to bring in some trusted people to help us with this? But this isn't okay. It's not okay for us. It's not okay for me. You know, I love you in, in a marriage, it's supposed to be both of us serving and loving one another. This doesn't, this isn't, this isn't a loving expression to me that you just shut me down and punish me for weeks on end. So I recognize, I mean, easier said than done as we're here on this podcast, but we've walked with many, many couples through similar dynamics. And honestly, at the end of the day, as scary as it might seem, it's better to express it now and start working on that. I mean, again, coming from a place of love, coming with a mindset of, I want this for your good. What do we need to do? How do I need to help you? Let's go to counseling. Let's bring somebody else into this equation, but saying nothing, excusing bad behavior, not drawing boundaries on their emotional toxicity just isn't going to work in the long run. Yeah. Let me just say to the, if the spouse is listening, who recognizes you are that spouse, you are the one who and maybe you're you're apologetic. Maybe there are moments in your week in your life where you where you acknowledge it, where you recognize it. I just encourage you to own it, to own it, and to apologize for it. And maybe there maybe there is some professional help that is needed. Not always, but sometimes that's what it takes. And to the to the other spouse, I just would say have the courage to confront it because Tracy, we've seen this before that it's not just it's not just the husband and wife that are impacted. If you have kids, whether they're in the house still or adult kids, they're going to be impacted. And not, not just personally, emotionally impacted by it, or your relationship with them being impacted by it. All those things are true. But even they're going to carry that, potentially carry that dysfunction into their marriage. If you set an example for them uh, that was less than healthy, then they're going to carry that into their own marriage. So stop the cycle. It's worth it. It's worth it, not just for you, but it's worth it for the generations that follow you. So anyway, that's boundary marker number one. That th Those are your, your emotions. That's probably the toughest one. We started with the doozy, Tracy. Mm -hmm. But the next one is in the area of your expectations. The law of exposure, we talked about this in the 10 laws episode a couple of weeks ago, says that you need to voice your desires and your needs so your spouse can get on the same page as you with your expectations. Your spouse can't read your mind. So you have to share your expectations and be ready to compromise. Yeah, I can't tell you how many couples I've worked with over the years where the root of the conflict is in just missed expectations. And because 
one spouse is just, I have all these desires and I have all these expectations of my spouse and they just never meet them. And then the question is, but do you ever voice those? Have you ever been honest with your spouse? Like, gosh, I mean, honestly, Brian, how many times in our marriage, like things will come up and I'm like, I guess that's, I think I've had an expectation of you that maybe because that's how my dad was, that you would do this. So if I just kind of react to you not meeting an expectation, but I've never verbalized that to you, I've never said with the law of exposure, like, hey, this is really important to me that you care about the way our house looks like on the outside, (laughs) like lawn care, for example. Um, but I never shared that with you, but then I'm just, every time I'm out there mowing the lawn, I'm just like, which by the way, hysterically in our example, I love to mow the lawn and I do the yard work, but I'm sure our neighbors are like, gosh, that husband's pathetic. He's makes his wife work out there in the heat. But anyways, like it would, it would be like, I could just be out there mowing the lawn and just seething over like, I can't believe like, doesn't he see that the grass is so long and it needs to be cut. And, and (laughs) so it's just one of those things where you need to be honest about what your expectations are, or when there's a missed expectation and your spouse didn't do something and you wanted him to do it. Like, instead of just being bitter, you need to be like, you know what, can we talk about this? Cause I was really mad that you didn't do X, Y, or Z. And I think it's because that's an expectation I have, but maybe you didn't know that. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe some of you couples are out there r- realizing that you have missed expectations and it could be that one of you is kind of like a vault. You're, you're, you're clammed up, you're quiet. It's hard to get any information out <laughs> of you. Tracy, I think more often than not, that tends to be the guy, but not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the guy is the one who shares and the, and the, the wife is the one who doesn't share. Um, but I would say in our marriage and in so many marriages, couples that we have helped, the guy is the one who doesn't say very much. And the woman is the one who says a lot. But even so, I think a lot of times there's a, there's a temptation for women to expect that my husband should know still. He should know. He should, I shouldn't have to say it. He should know. He should already know this. Right. And that's... I mean, frankly, for all of us, that's a cop out, right? I mean, we shouldn't expect, do I want people to, do I want people to get mad at me that I don't anticipate something that they need? No. Like I appreciate when a friend or my kid says to me like, Hey, I really needed this from you and you weren't there for me or you didn't, you know, I, I really want, needed you to reach out to me in a phone call or I needed a meal or, you know, whatever it is like, gosh, it, man, that makes me a better person. If I feel like when I've missed the mark that you care about me enough to say, hey, you missed the mark for me. Here's what I would have loved. So I have an opportunity to do it better next time. Because again, the bottom line of all this, because you know, some people could turn this into, you know, we're just constantly making demands of our spouse. That's not what we're saying in terms of putting your expectations out there. The again, the underlying principle of all of this is that we are loving our spouse and putting our spouse's needs above our own. Like that's what a beautiful marriage of selfless sacrificial love is. So when you have an expectation and your spouse doesn't meet it, that your heart behind that isn't to say, Oh good, I get to punish you now because you failed. But rather like, I want to make you a better husband or a better wife in this area. This really hurt me or this really disappointed me and coming with the heart of, can I just be honest about that and teach you maybe how you could love me better next time? And so then what about in this scenario where 
the wife has an expectation, verbalizes it, and the husband says, I hear you, mm-hmm. but I can't actually meet that expectation because that's a boundary, right? Yeah. Then in that case, I think a husband needs to be willing. What we're not saying here is, hey, verbalize your expectation, and then your spouse has to comply to every expectation you have. Right. Yeah, you know, like if I think about when in our younger years of marriage, because um, I stayed at home with the kiddos, I mean, I had an expectation that I wanted you to like take me out on date nights. Like I needed a break every week. And so when I would come to you with that expectation, I mean, there, there was that honest conversation where you had to say, I definitely want to do that, but, but it can't be dinner and a movie every time because it was just too expensive. It just didn't fit in our budget. So I came to you with an expectation, but then you had to say, you know what, I hear that, but we're going to have to tweak it a little bit because financially it just doesn't, because plus you're getting a babysitter. So that just adds up really fast. So you were coming to me meeting the need. So we just had to get creative about some things that we could do at home. And as the kids got a little bit older, we were able to say, you know, kids, this is mommy and daddy's time. And we're going to go sit on on the deck and, um, you know, don't interrupt us for 30 minutes or, you know, whatever it was like, we just had to be a little bit more creative, but you, you still created space for us just to be a couple, um, give me a break, but it wasn't exactly the way I would have pictured it. Or another example is, in those early years of parenting, we would, I would come home from work and I was burned out from talking to adults all day and you were burned out from talking to our kids all day. <laughs> and so again, it could, it was like a perfect scenario for both of us to get bitter at each other. But to your credit, you, you were able to articulate your expectation. And by the way, for couples who don't know how to do that, it, it's really simple. You just say, Hey, can, can I tell you an expectation I have and so that we can talk about how realistic it is? Mm-hmm. So you're not pointing fingers. You're not, you know, it's just, you broke a lot. For some couples, they don't know how to broach the subject. Mm-hmm. So you would say to me, hey, I, this isn't working for me. I would come home and I, and I wanted to play with the kids. And really, even more than that, the kids wanted to play with me the whole time. So we had the kids in the equation as well that were complicating expectations because they had their expectations. And what solved it is we got on the same, we had a conversation one night. We just said this, you said, this isn't working. We got to figure this out. Here's how this makes me feel. Here's what I need when you come home from work. And, and I got to hear your heart and what you needed, which I wanted to satisfy. And then you got to hear my heart, which is, I don't want the kids to feel like I'm an absent dad. I don't want them I don't want them to feel like I ignore them, but even more than that, selfishly, I just needed to not talk about what was going on at work. I needed to decompress. And so we came up with a great compromise where, and we communicated it not just to each other, but to our kids where we said, okay, how about when you come home, you, you know, roll around with the kids on the floor for 30 minutes, you know, while Tracy, in your case, you oftentimes would be finishing up dinner for us. We would sit down and eat dinner together as a family. And then after dinner, you and it was our couch time. And we, we articulated that to the Mm -hmm. kids. So everyone won, right? You, I, I, my needs were met in terms of just having a little bit of a break. Your needs were met knowing that you were going to have, be able to really connect with me. And really our kids needs were met because our kids needed to see that they're not the center of our world. Mm -hmm. We, the solution wasn't that I just hang out with my, the kids all night. Um, 
the solution was for them to see that our marriage mattered and that it was a priority for both of us. Yeah. So again, just make sure you, you know, law of exposure is be honest about what your needs are and what boundaries, what that means as far as a boundary goes and, and listen to each other. And you might, there might be areas where you're going to have to compromise. Okay. So we've talked about the boundary marker of emotions, the boundary marker of expectations. And the third one is really even simpler. I think these are getting simpler as we go in terms of like, just not as intense, probably these conversations won't be as hard, but they're still important. The third boundary marker is around the work that you do. So recognizing that you can't do everything for everyone, including your spouse. Mm -hmm. So be honest with your spouse about your limitations. And Tracy, we've as we've walked with couples over the years, there are some couples where the one guy is the go-getter, the, maybe the husband's the go-getter, sometimes it's the wife, and the, the other spouse is the, is the more chill one, you know, maybe a video gamer or just someone who likes to smell the roses a little bit more. And those, I think that it's that couple that especially needs to talk about this boundary marker. Yeah, I mean... And some of it might come down to temperament and capacity. Like you might be married to someone that just doesn't need as much sleep and they just kind of want to go and they're just very goal oriented and they love, they have their checklist and they love to check it off. And then maybe you're just kind of a little bit more, your temperament's more creative and a little bit more go with the flow and you don't want to be confined to time constraints or to a checklist. And so these are some of the things where you just have to kind of work through like where, where do, where is my boundary on this? And I mean, I, I think for us in our marriage, Brian, this has been kind of an ongoing endeavor for us to figure out. And, you know, we work together and you have a different capacity than I do in some ways. And we've had to just, I've had to be honest. I've talked about this in a previous episode. There's been times where, because I, my primary responsibility was to put the kids where they needed to be, that there were just some things I had to say no to you as far as work related. I just had to say, I just, I don't have time for that right now. This isn't the season for that. So I had to be honest. I had to be clear about that boundary. You had to receive that. Um, so I just think that's something for couples, like you, you got to just work together to figure it out and recognize like, you're not trying to make your spouse a version of you. Like you married each other because there's things that you were attracted to in the other. And likely many of those things were because they were the opposite of you. So even in these conversations with boundaries, recognize it's okay if you guys have different ways of managing life or responsibilities at home or at work. What Tracy, what would you say to the, this might be more for the newlywed couple, the couple that is trying to figure out their chore schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, that, let's say husband comes from a, from a more traditional family, wife comes from a more liberated type family where the duties are really split down the middle. I mean, really, so many couples nowadays are dual income earners. So both husband and wife work outside of the home. So I would imagine most couples really sort of split the chore duty. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to those couples that are still trying to work through those expectations? Yeah, you got to have honest conversations about it. It kind of goes back to what what do you expect? Like if you grew up in a home where the mom kind of did everything was more traditional in her role. And so then you get married and you're, you know, a man. And so then you're looking at your wife that's you never talked about it, but you just expected your wife would do your laundry and iron your shirts. And then you've you've got a wife that's like, hang on, that's no way in my family, like everybody did their own laundry. I'm, I've never saw my mom iron a shirt in my life. So 
These are the things where you just, you need to talk about what are our expectations, what are our values on our own time and be honest about if, if you can meet that and, and learn to compromise again at the base of it is I want to love you better. So if there's things I can do to meet your expectations, if, if ironing a shirt for you every once in a while speaks love to you, then by golly, I'm happy to do that once in a while, (laughs) but to not express it to not be honest about it, or if you feel like you're just kind of doing, 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 and your spouse is just taking, 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 that's not good either. You need to be honest, like, hey, these are my limitations. This is as far as I can go on on work stuff or chores or whatever it is. Okay, so we've got one more. We've talked about emotions. We've talked about expectations. We've talked about work. And the last boundary marker, and there are more, but these are just four to get you started, in your conversation as you're setting boundaries. The last one is your time together. And the the truth is, and some couples might, this might come as a revelation of them, but you don't have to spend all your time together. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay to ask for some free time. And Tracy, some, you know, for some couples, this might be especially hard if one of them is a little bit more, maybe their love language is, is, you know, quality time. And the other one, it's, let's say, acts of service, the work thing we just talked about. Now, again, that doesn't have to be a liability in a marriage, but it definitely needs to be a conversation so that so that you're setting proper boundaries. Well, yeah, and, and hopefully you probably are seeing some patterns come into play when you were dating. I mean, if one if one of you is a little more extroverted and you love to be social and go, 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 and then your spouse is like, can I know? I want to stay home and read a book. Um, don't think that's going to change once you get married. So again, it's just about drawing, drawing boundaries of what you're comfortable with, what you feel like your limitations are. And it's okay. It is okay. Being one with your spouse doesn't mean that you have to be together all the time, like the same things, like you're just the same person all of a sudden. No, you're two totally different people. And it's okay to have some separate interests. It's good. It's healthy for you to say, you know what, go golf with your friends or go shop with your girlfriends or go to that book club. I don't need to be a part of every single thing. It actually can be healthy for your marriage, but you need to communicate that. You need to say like, Hey, I really kind of value hanging out more socially. And you seem like you need more of a break from that sometimes. So would it be okay if sometimes I just go hang out with my buddies in your home or with my girlfriends and you don't have to go and I'm not going to put pressure on you and make you feel guilty that you don't want to go because you both articulate where your boundaries are about your time and you recognize that you're different. Yeah. This is especially good for the introvert who's married to the extrovert. Have the conversation. You don't have to become an extrovert for your spouse. And the extrovert doesn't have to become an introvert, mm-hmm. introvert for you. So really, it's, it's a matter of having a conversation, figuring out what, what the other one needs. You know, maybe the introvert loves taking walks by themselves, mm-hmm. and it hurts the extrovert's feeling. You, I think you need, to, you need to communicate that. You need to say, I love you. It's not, it's not that I don't want to take a walk with you. Maybe we can do a walk with you every other day. But I need, to, I need times to go do my walk by myself or work out by myself or whatever those things are. Don't be afraid. You know, people pleasers have a hard time articulating that. And again, the problem is it'll, it'll end up storing up resentment will store up and your extrovert spouse is going to have no idea why, Mm -hmm. like what, we're just going on walks. Why are you so angry at me? (laughs) Have the conversation because again, this is, this is what we started with boundary markers are good, even in marriage. That, I know it sounds paradoxical, 
that you might think, well, wait, we're married, so shouldn't we do everything together? Shouldn't we love all the same things? And no, that, that, that's not what a, a healthy union is about. You're still two separate individuals. So husband starts and ends at a place and a wife starts and ends at a place. Now there's beautiful overlap. There's, there's beautiful union, but there still need to be boundary markers. And so take the time to set them up. And remember, if both of you approach this conversation with tender, responsive hearts, not with stony, stubborn hearts, but just to say, look, maybe we've screwed up at this in the past, or we've got hurt feelings, just to say, let's hit the reset button. Let's talk about setting up these boundary markers. Let's, let's really start putting in the work to do this a little bit better. And you'll be glad you did.